0: Hey, this episode, this is episode 22 of Sports Debate Tuesdays, brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. Come play with us. This is also brought to you by Endless Summer Beach Volleyball, one of the best beach volleyball clubs in America. A family that plays together stays together. It's also brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. That is me watching you, watching me watching you. Mess that all up, we ain't getting paid, Rob. <laughs> the episode Episode twenty two, Robbie, starts right now. Okay, we're back. Um, Guess who's back? Back again Guess who's back, guess who's back, guess who's back, guess who's back I am here with Rob, keep it McLean McLean I'm Jason DeBeas. welcome, this is Sports Debate Tuesday This is episode 22 And we're trying to keep the mood light because we know with these conversations get heavy It's like, how many times are we going to keep talking about this stuff outside of sports? Well the answer is, as long as this stuff keeps seeping back into sports Conversation is necessary To quote my boy Jorge Masvidal Super necessary, Rob uh, last week before we start off on our episode, we were talking about the Confederate flag being banned uh, last week, and we, you know we were a little short on time where you were talking about the difference between nationalism and patriotism. I, I kind of asserted that certain, uh, that nationalism is like uh, loyalty for its own sake, and patriotism is more and more where uh, the power to agree and disagree, and um, dissension being the greatest form of patriotism and you were, you were getting into the, the, the history of the Confederacy and, and stuff like that. Please, the floor is yours.
1: Yeah, so I was just saying that, um, well, I'll start off where we were last week, that, you know, the, the difference between nationalism and patriotism is that uh, blind faith as opposed to actual service and duties. Um, you know, people, veterans, uh, people who actually are in government, who actually put the foot forward to physically be in the position to make decisions and policies, these are people who are uh, more than just a citizen, they're a piece of society. They can be patriotic towards our country because they've actually done things to help protect, progress our country. National nationalism is blind faith or entitlement for a, a country you've either been born into or you've been accepted to um, for no other reason that you're thankful. Which again has nothing. There's no uh, naturally. There's no negative uh, aspects to either side but they can be used in a very negative aspect. Um, but the purpose is uh, why why that connects with the Confederate flag is that um, the history, going back to uh, when the Civil War even happened, is that the Confederate flag uh, was created so that a brotherhood of people can come together and protect what's theirs. And they, now they call it states' rights. Uh, back then it was just protecting their economic gains and protecting their livelihoods as people. Uh, They didn't know any differently. I wouldn't condemn them then about not understanding slavery. I can do that now for people who have had 400 years to read about only our type of slavery, but have had history books on top of history books about slavery all over the world throughout human history. So the fact that you just are not knowledge enough to understand what slavery actually is not just african-american slavery in u.s history but slavery itself is uh unbecoming of a intelligent society or uh, an intelligent person so that's why when we talk about the confederate flag being banned it's just moving forward it's something that should have happened a long time ago and the fact that people say that There is no Confederate Confederacy, or there's no secret society that keeps this uh, Confederate flag in our society. Look at how many Confederate Confederate statues, Confederate memorabilia are allowed to be around states, in universities, in public areas that not only do uh, people who don't believe in Confederacy have to be around, but the Confederate flag was created as something that goes against. The United States of America, it was created as uh, an alternate purpose if you do not want to or you do not agree with the United States of America. That in itself is un-American. You can protest, you can want change on a democratic level, but to go out and to raise war against your fellow Americans to support that cause now is wrong understanding throughout history it's wrong so this is just progress this is something that just had to happen for a very 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 long time and the fact that anybody could uh respond to this news with what we're going to talk about next with leaving a noose in somebody's uh garage it's 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 despicable actions you know um it's despicable you know it's just really tough here
0: here well i i um I'm not gonna top on that because that's that was the that was the comments you meant to finish on last week which was almost um which these days you you seem like a mystic macker or it's like a foreshadowing of was supposed to come the next week because last week sports debate Tuesday or there was no noose, there was just a whole bunch of rednecks that looked at a flag and was like, "You know what, nah, we're good, bye, you know um uh, but who would who would have thought that that your thoughts and sentiments would be exactly to what you know, leading into what our next topic is right now and that and that's this all right um uh late Sunday night, um NASCAR announced that a noose was found. In Daryl Bubba Wallace Jr. He's the only uh, NASCAR driver I know on, on the circuit right now. Um, and the number three 40, 43 Richard Petty Motorsports Team Garage st- stall at Talladega's Super Speedway in Alabama. NASCAR said it's angry and it's outrage. And it immediately opened an investigation to find out who did it and eliminate them from the sport. Um rob um before i go is there any uh, do you have any other take on this before be, before i get um i get started well
1: just Please. from what i've heard that it, it's just very minimal access especially with the virus so uh it it, it, it I, who could have done it you know like it's not a ton of people walking through that that garage so if it's a regular person you know ban them from the sport they love for life if it's You know, a a member in their own family, you know, ban them from the sport, from life and for all races that you're around. And if you're because it's this is a terroristic threat. That's a it's a a death threat upon somebody's life, but not uh, an unrealized threat. It's something where somebody physically took a weapon that they want to kill somebody with and displayed it to them in their place of work in a public setting. That's literally a terroristic threat. So. Again, I don't ha- I don't get how people don't take this uh, as offensive as whatever Antifa is doing in in Seattle. You know, taking over 6 square blocks and saying no one can enter, no government, no police can enter, that's the same thing as a terroristic threat from an individual on or a, a community of people. Or individuals. It's a terroristic threat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. On oh, on this particular individual. Got gotcha.
1: you. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: Rob, um well, it's supposed to be a debate show, but once again, just like Eight Mile from Eminem, you said I I already I know know everything he's gonna say against me. Um, the only thing I can do on this debate show is echo your sentiments. I think it is disgusting. I think it's repugnant. I think it's malignant, and I think it's putrid. Um, and Um, There is no best way to say this. There is no one on a good day to say this. But if someone did it as a joke because they think it's funny, your behind should be gone. All right. If someone did it because they have hatred in their heart and malice and contempt, maybe over a flag, maybe because they have a problem with black people or maybe because he's wearing Black Lives Matter on his car and maybe because he has it on his mask Um, and someone that has a problem with that. And they do something like that, the behind needs to go. This, this, I mean, you talked about the Confederate flag, dude. We had we had a war over this, okay? We we actually we literally had a war, and a whole bunch of people died over this. All right. At this point, it's it's uh, I consider it treason. All right. I consider it against the law. It's true. To me, it's always been treason. I just, you know, don't um, I have ignored it for a long time, just like other African-Americans have ignored it. Rob, I mean, anyone who's watched I said last week on my podcast, anyone who's watched the Dukes of Hazzard, um, you know, singing just the good old boys never mean no harm. It was a fun show. Great actors, you know, and this and that. And, you know, but really it's. the problem no the, the reason why no one said anything about the flag is because it was hidden in plain sight. It's right in it's it's in front of us all the time, so much where it's just like you don't see it, right? The General Lee on the Dukes of Hazard had a big old Confederate flag. The name of the car was called the General Lee, okay? And the horn was the horn's basically whistling Dixie. Um which I don't know I don't know the correlation, but but that's to to some people, that's they represent the South. They love the South, and and there's a generational people that ignored that point, just like African Americans have. There are some African American f- people that see that flag and they get immediately offensive, but there are a ton of African American people who did not bear that responsibility. That 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 have not only seen Confederate flags in NASCAR, but watch that show as religiously as me. I have friends that's like, oh, you didn't, you never, I never watch that show. Black people don't watch that show. I'm like, shut up. Shut up, okay? Because uh, um, that guy that made the song, Look at them girl with the Daisy Dukes on, he wasn't talking about a piece of chicken, all right? He wasn't talking about rabbit ears. He's talking about a character named Daisy Duke who wore some denim shorts up the crack of her ass, which were so sexy that that it's named after her that they made a song about, okay? So so it's something where we collectively have to be responsible for it, all right? White people have a black problem, but black people right now they're, 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 um, that, that, that had a black problem now awake on it. And now um, for this, and only the subject matter, because this is supposed to be a sports debate show, but... Which, by the way, sports is supposed to be, take one of these things and bring all of these races together and make beautiful mulattoes like you, okay, and me. Sometimes I don't know; I'm not feeling pretty today. Um, um, and sports is designed to bring us all together, and yet here we are, another week talking about how uh, the act of one, one, or one or many are, are making are making this divisive. But. I think they gotta go, and I think there has to be a law that anyone that does something like that is automatically a hate crime, and is, a, and is a minimum, a minimum three-year, uh, make it a federal crime, and, and, and a minimum jail sentence. This way, teens that think it's funny don't do it. Uh, um, well, uh, people that hate that think it's funny don't do it. People that do it out of pure hatred don't do it.
1: People that I mean, threaten even,
0: people's lives don't do it. Go ahead, sorry.
1: You know, even on uh, you know a more global level, you know. Hockey, as well as soccer or or football, European football, has some of the worst fans, especially in some of the, you know, different countries that we have in this world. So, you know, this is not just, you know, an American issue. I think it's just a, you know, have and have nots. I always say this is a class issue before it's a a race issue. Um, But this is where we're going to start the conversation. So this is where we're going to go forward.
0: And it wow. is because if you look at the, the protest, right? You and you look at the protest for, for this gentleman who died in, in, in Minneapolis, it's most of the time it's just in the region. Sometimes it hits national news and then New York does something, LA does something. Man, it's in the UK. It's it's everywhere. And and it's and Paris, it's so many Berlin. languages. There I mean but, it,
1: but I've heard so many stories about black guys in Paris getting persecuted. I've heard so many people about Poor people in the U.K., Irish, Scottish, those type of individuals getting persecuted in the same manner as it seems as though of minorities in this country. But that's where where it comes from. It's
0: not like we support the United States. It's we we know what you're talking about. And we and guess what, guys? Wow. Funny you should say that. We got that problem here, too.
1: (laughs) So, and yep. it's different in all countries, that's why I say it's a class issue, because if you call it a race issue or you call it a color issue, then uh, what? What when when it's a white person that gets, you know, cracked over the head, then it's like, oh, well, you don't care about us. That's nothing to do about that. It's different. Like, a white person in this country is different than a white person in South Africa, mm-hmm. is different than a white person in the UK, is different than a white person in Russia. So... You know, and there's, again, different types of persecutions all over the place. There's, you know, uh, the LBGTQ plus community in Russia. There's, you know, uh, in Brazil, there's a ton of homeless that get treated in, in the worst type of ways. So there's yeah. just injustices that yeah. we're trying to make uh, civil, you know, yeah. not even equal. Just homophobia
0: civil. is a big thing in Brazil, too. Um, at least male homophobia is. You know, I don't think I don't think they give a damn what two women do with each other, but um, um, true, that's but, true. Um, you know, homophobia, right, is a is a is a big thing in Brazil. And something else before we move on to our next topic, because um, this is not a comp. This one is not a complicated thing. This is this is actually when people just step outside of themselves and look at it from the outside, and it's a pretty simple thing. Someone put a noose. It's racially insensitive. It's it's derives from a place of hate. Uh, or stu- or uh, or on its best legs, blatant stupidity, and they they got to be dealt with. First of all, they got to be gone. As a as a best case scenario, worst case scenario, they should go to jail. They should go to jail. This is this this nonsense is not funny. In light of the fact that this plate that these garages are always the secure places where only X amount of people are allowed in and out. In light of the in our in our, in our current climate with COVID, that that, that size that that size that size of people has gotten even smaller. Yeah. Who is it? Yeah, who is it? I yeah. Big up to NASCAR for not trying to cover this up either. To my understanding, Bubba didn't even know. Uh, um, yeah. um, his name is ba- Daryl Bubba Wallace, Wallace Jr. And he didn't he didn't know about it. Somebody else found it, and they're like, nope, nope. This this is going to be put out on Front Street. You know, because right. last week we, we were talking about how, you know, we were racially insensitive and now, now we're woke and we're aware and we're just trying to bring everybody together, bring some fans together and and, and do what every, every sport is, in my opinion, what every sport is designed to do. Take everybody, regardless of your race, regardless of your sex, regardless of your political ideology, and just bring us all together, okay? Sports is supposed to be a a form of escapism it's supposed to be cinematic and dramatic sometimes it's like watching a movie some for christ's sake sometimes and 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 nascar is going to be co-signing and joining a lot of these sports where we get back they get back to what they're doing together uh, do do best bringing people together all right um the people who have a problem with the confederate flag being uh take down taken down nascar has been very very explicit saying those aren't the fans we want anyway if they if they're going to stop watching NASCAR because we took away a flag, you know what? That's um, it's not that's that a big win. a loss. It's not that big a loss, and if it is, they lose some money. You know what? I, I mean, that's money well spent, and those these are the right things we'd like to hear. Uh, and I know at some point you got to put your money where your mouth is, and and some people are negative, like oh, I ain't seen nothing yet. But let's give NASCAR a chance because right now, the, uh, their reaction, what they've been doing the last three weeks, they've been doing all of the right things. All right. It's no time to defend NASCAR, and I don't think I'm doing that. I'm just calling it what, what, the way I see it, based on and again, based on the facts that that are given to us.
1: That's at the heart of uh, of a community that you know most of us don't really understand or are not really connected to. You yeah. know, so that I think you have to give them uh, the most opportunity to be able to create a different image. Yeah. You know, think, you, if did... not for the generation that is grown now, for the kids that are watching, it, you you were... so that they have an equal mindset.
0: And you know what? They're closer, they're closer than people think, man. Were you aware, and I don't mean to get political, in 2012, that 43% of NASCAR people voted um, for Obama? NASCAR fans. 43% of NASCAR fans. Um, it wasn't a two-horse race either. Their, their votes went to independents, they went to Republicans. So 43% was the highest percentage of people. And those were people that watched NASCAR avidly. So that was, that's just something, that's just, that's just something for your ass out there for the people that are watching by the, you know, who, um who the incumbent was, was who was running for Ooh. office at the time. Um, mm-hmm. So very, very interesting stat before we move on to our next thing, which is, um which is going to be the UFC. All right. Wow, it. man. Last UFC. I'm just. God, long list sport and UFC is leading the charge, man. UFC continues to light up the weekend, another weekend, with a slew of exciting fights, okay? However, in the main event, Curtis Blades, who defeated Alexander Volkov via uh, unanimous decision. um, Blades, who's a top-notch wrestler, used his style to smother um, Volkov, who's a top-ten opponent for most of the fight. And the age-old question, Rob, is why is this kind of fight a turn-off for some fans?
1: Personally, I enjoy it. Um, I feel as though me too, me too. In, in all honesty, I think that the the commentators, being as great as they are, need to talk, especially in the same excitement as they do for uh, a ground game, as well as um, as they do a stand up. I, I think you know, even Joe Rogan kind of gets over zealous at times of, of, of amazing things he's seeing, and I get it. But when you talk so calmly and casually about, oh, you know, this is handwork, we got to watch the wrist and wrist work, you kind of just don't uh, get the entirety of the game. It's kind of, for me, uh, I, I like to compare it to baseball because that was like my first sport. A lot of people can't uh, enjoy baseball in the sense that um, they overlook a lot of the small details that makes the game really important and really fun. So the same thing goes for MMA and. That back in the day, they no one really understood uh, takedowns and uh, ground game, and it was just Gracie just choking people out and people tapping. You know, um, so the game has kind of evolved so much to where the hand play and the the clenches and uh, what what's happening on the ground in in the middle uh, when someone's on top. Uh, it needs to be explained maybe just a little bit more to where people see there's actual effectiveness into to those moves and, and, and why they're not standing up. Because for me, that was a very enjoyable fight. Me and too. I, just me too. the look on Volkov's face was more telling than anything like, man, this guy is just going to ragdoll me. And he said it before, and Dana White kind of hated him before, uh, like after the fight too, but he ragdolled him without throwing him like a ragdoll. You know, he literally took him down with He did the first three rounds, yeah. You know, and even I watched the four or five like more intently, and it, it wasn't as exciting, but he still
0: took gas. him down when
1: everyone. Yeah, Heavyweight's I mean, gas. I mean yeah. it was a heavyweight fight, and it looked like a light heavyweight, to be honest. But
0: well, they moved – so. The, I mean, we're talking about Blades and Volkov. Volkov, who I think has a really, really good gas tank, which got stabbed somewhere in the end, but all, found, somehow found the second win, and I think second win did even score to take down himself, mm-hmm. right? Uh, um, so listen, the reason why I think a lot of people might find this fight boring is because the sport, even though it's in its 20th anniversary, um, where is it, since 1993, um, it's still having fans, uh, uh, attracting certain fans that, that have to educate themselves on the sport. Like, if you look at the Japanese crowd, watching pride fighting or watching an mma fight they see a takedown they clap they see someone escape from a submission you hear an applause they see someone uh, use the cage to find a way to get up they, they it's like this huge applause it's almost as if two you know two guys are i mean the, it's almost like americans watching two guys just punch each other in the face like rock and robots so that's just uh, uh incumbent on one on the american crowd to understand that this might not be a sport if you find this boring maybe you know, maybe you just like boxing or maybe you like Muay Thai. Maybe you just like or maybe you just need to go out on Friday night in Oklahoma and watch a couple of alcoholics just shut their eyes and bite, you know, bite down and and, and swing wildly. If that's if that's what gives you your rush, um, <clears throat> that might not be the, the UFC might not be a sport. Um, and, and now, Rob, I'm not defending wrestlers who lay and prey. OK, because that's not what happened in this fight. Blades wasn't laying and praying. He was he was looking a ground and pound. He was taking these small breaks, but at the same time, he's looking for an arm He's looking for an Americana, looking for a Kamora. Um he's looking to see if Volkov gets his back. So it was an interesting game of chess. And me is um uh, maybe uh, I don't I, I um refuse to say I'm too close to the forest to see the trees. No, I am a, a person who watches MMA like a football fan watches football, right? Some football fans, uh, uh, they like defensive games cause they, they like some football fans like to see the guys run the game, run the ball instead of just throwing these fifty yard bombs. So, so and this lightning in the bottle. Um, uh, a group of sports fans sometimes you're gonna have to they're gonna be matches like that and if you don't like it that's fine don't don't buy the ticket because there's a whole bunch of people that that will so i'm defending um blades on this one uh, especially against dana white you know he's like oh you said you're gonna ragdoll i'm like he kind of did he, i mean he i mean
1: these are other than throwing them around like he literally ragdolled him
0: everywhere. <laughs> yeah. let me tell you something do you know what would have happened the fifth round of these guys stood their arm speed, their their I mean, your muscles need oxygen. Their arm speed would would have been so slow. It would have looked terrible. Did you, did you see Kimbo? You see Kimbo against Dota Five Thousand? Oh yeah. Whole I don't mean of- to go that far. <laughs> I didn't mean to make that leap.
1: <laughs> but it's it's right there.
0: I mean, was that a wrestling fight? Right? Was that wrestling? Was that grappling? No, that was two guys who. Who are just waiting for the other guy just to touch him so that he could fall much. and get that nonsense over with. All right, listen. And also the other reason is this is an important fight for Curtis Blades. Uh and fans have to realize if you can't get that person out of there in the first or second round or third round, uh, and if they're finding ways to escape and get up and they're still strong, you have to tell yourself you're not gonna finish him. Because if some uh if you go for a finish, you might lose a decision. Blades is fourteen and two right now. His only two losses. Guess who? Francis Ngannou. One was stopped by a doctor stoppage by a cut, and one I thought was a little bit early, but maybe not because maybe Ngannou hits him another two two, two times, he might be dead. Uh, um. So yeah, casuals. To me, my answer is casuals is going to be casuals. <laughs> okay, casuals. And I and I understand the UFC has to attract a, a, a bunch of people who don't watch the sports to to grow their fan base, but not for the sake of um. Uh, of uh, the purity of the sport itself. Like, you mentioned commentators. I mean, I don't think Michael Bisming might be the right guy to call this fight. The guy likes to see stand-up action. Uh, yeah, I mean, but,
1: again, but again, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's on the UFC to create, their to make their product palatable, mm-hmm. right? If they're going to understand that they're, like, they could just be good right now, but they're whether they're either reaching out or there is just a new fan base coming in, you want to keep that fan base. You don't want them to leave. So you should be making – because, honestly, the commentators, they're not there for the, the fans that are knowledgeable. In a sense, I mean, it's, it's enjoyable to hear that. It's enjoyable to hear another side of the sport. But that's not – watch. if you're a knowledgeable sports fan, you're watching to see what's happening. You don't need them to tell you necessarily what's happening. It's a, it's a nice piece. But they're there for the people that don't understand, mm. that need direction, that need, uh, you know, something to go on, a play-by-play in a sense. So, uh, isn't I that what makes Joe so that's...
0: important? <laughs> hmm? Isn't that what makes Joe Rogan so important? Well,
1: that's what I mean. You don't have a lot of Joe Rogans, but I feel as though if you need to, you know, bump up a fight or make a fight, you know, seem uh, a bit more enjoyable, or maybe they don't get the pay-per-view fights, and you want put Joe Rogan on it. You know, make him. Uh, m- spice up the information around the fight so that everybody can enjoy the entirety of the fight instead of maybe, you know, a Conor McGregor versus Khabib where, you know, it's going to happen already. Like it's literally going to be this or it's going to be that you don't need somebody screaming out of their ears just to figure out what's going on. So trailer a load of I, casuals. And again, I love Joe. I'll have Joe on any, yeah. any single fight, but yep. I'm just saying maybe the top brass could use their, their yeah. top talent, like uh, maybe a, Daniel Cormier at a correct kind of a fight if he's uh, – Cormier that's, would have loved to call this guy. one.
0: Yeah, he would have loved to call this one, wouldn't he? Right. Cormier's an end to heavyweight too. Oh, man. Um, Dominic mean. Cruz, hey. You know, I thought he did good. I mean, uh, at some point, these guys are going to have to be very good. I think you have color commentators. Sometimes you need a good play-by-play guy to bounce back and forth off. That's, that's what made Mike Goldberg. If you remember him, he's in Bellator mm-hmm. right now. Uh, um, John Anik is really good. but um, And someday, I think, as he continues the work, he'll be really good at this. Dominic Cruz, highly analytical, you know, um and someday I think he'll, he'll be good at this. Daniel Cormier, his personality alone is awesome, and and he he admits he's like I'm glad I got you next to me because he says you, he went to the ground. You you still talked about the name of two holes I never even heard of, and I and I still fight, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so yeah, I, I like that. What was your um? So my favorite fight of the night, um, it didn't win fight of the night. I don't think it did. Lyman Good, guy of New York, against Balal Muhammad. Um, if there was a crowd, I'm telling you, it, it would have been that was a fight electric. That was something else. And um, there was another fight that got fired in that where they just kind of uh, went at it. It was a, um, it wasn't a women's fight. It was a co- um something close to the co-main event on the on the main card. And I'm loath to say that the paperwork um my computer just shut down, so the paperwork's not in front of me. But hey, another good card. And since it was we're a in solid the, card, since we're on the subject of it, let's talk about the main event this week. Uh, before we get off, we got Dan Hooker and Dustin Poirier.
1: Yeah, man, two lefties going at it. I mean, uh, I I like that. I, I don't know. I haven't. I don't feel like Dan Hooker's been like. Uh, not that he hasn't been pushed, but I feel as though like the way he fights, like he's going to evolve as the fight evolves. So it'll be really interesting to see what he does against a, a fighter like Poirier, who has had really good fights and has lost some you know, tough fights to really good fighters. So I think he's almost the perfect testing, uh, perfect test fight for any top flight uh, person in that division. Um, are you a top five fighter or not, Dustin Poirier? It's
0: going to be a barn burner because Poirier, where styles make matchups, okay, he got starched by Conor McGregor. And if that's the only thing the casuals remember, I say good for you. But this is the same guy that beat Max Holloway, all right? This is the same guy who um, – Beat outboxed and beat um, Justin Gaethje, who by the way is fighting Khabib for the belt. So, um, so if you think about uh, Dustin Poirier's impressive win streak after Conor McGregor, uh, he's only lost to Michael Johnson before, and and from this point on, he's been he's he's beaten everybody. He's beaten everybody, and his only loss was for the title. Uh, I, um, uh, uh, which if you look at Khabib um, Nurmag- Nurmagomedov's record, <laughs> you say, okay, I get that, I understand, right?
1: I mean but he also It's not like oh look at the, look at the
0: people who beat Khabib. Oh, sorry, nobody did.
1: <laughs> yeah, but Dustin also beat I guess it was Max right before he fought Khabib. Good fight. Right? So it was like he was kind of coming off of like two two training camps, which is fine, you know, that's what you like that's what fighters like to do. Activity. But you're game planning for two totally different fighters, like two totally different fighters. And the second one being the one of the best fighters probably of all time. You know, at least top five all time. Uh, and, I mean, even top five, top three in the division, you know, all time. Like, you're fighting an all-time guy. I just think he needs more of a camp than, you know, however long he had. Uh, I just don't... What it seemed like to me was he, he, he had a game plan enough. And this is all I'm saying about that fight. He had a game plan enough to win... Or to, to, to neutralize Khabib, but not to win. Agree. You know. Yeah. So.
0: And uh, and eventually, Khabib grows that third and that fourth and fifth arm, and you're you're doing two hand fighting, and then all of a sudden there's this third hand that comes out and chokes you. That's oh. <laughs> crazy. So the SB Awards were Sunday, all right, um, and there were more. Um, inspirational than like individual awards i watched as much of it as i could and, and when I, I saw that they weren't actually giving out awards or team awards um i decided to do my own thing just for the sake of the show so rob i want you to give me who your most valuable player is for the nfl nba major league baseball ufc and fivb federal international volleyball beach volleyball
1: Ooh. Um, like SPs, like we're gonna talk about, like man no, of the year, like they're just the best.
0: rsps we call them the, the, um, the, uh, the, the um,
1: the Jespies,
0: the, S- the STD <laughs> All
1: right, um, SDT, sorry, <laughs> what, uh, what's so NFL? Uh, NFL? NFL?
0: Who's your NFL MVP? Ooh,
1: um. Uh, I would say Drew Brees before (laughs) the last couple of uh, weeks, but I would probably have to say, um, oh, man, I mean, Tom Brady, I guess, you know, he, he, uh, no, I'm sorry, it'll be Patty Patty Mahomes. (laughs) He's like, wait. (laughs) Yeah, Um, you know, I mean, yeah, he's just, yeah, it's Patty Mahomes, man.
0: Look, Lamar Jackson was the MVP last year, but my MVP in the NFL right now is Patrick Mahomes. Um, and, I'm, and there's not a, not a whole lot to say after that. He was the MVP the year before. He's a Super Bowl champion, okay? Tip so between him and Tom Brady is he made it to the Super Bowl and won this year. So recency bias has to take over. Like, to court Eddie Murphy, uh, raw, what have you done for me lately, okay? Or, or Paula mm-hmm. Abdul, the song. Uh, Major League Baseball, who's your favorite? Who's your
1: MVP? Ooh. Um, I'm
0: gonna go first. I got, I got, yeah, I got go judge. Ahead, go ahead. I got
1: judge. Oh come on!
0: Every time the guy takes the plate, you know he's there. That's that's right. that is that's a game changer. Everybody <clears throat> knows that they have to play against. I gotta go with judge. I'm a lazy New Yorker, Rob.
1: I'll be a lazy New Yorker. I mean, I'll be a lazy uh, L.A.er. How about uh, Mike Trout? That's easy.
0: Anaheim, Mike nice. Trout, easy. Angels, okay. Get yeah. him off that team. It's another guy you gotta you gotta recognize oh, who could be a Yankee on one field. day. Ooh, what? Come on. Hey yo. Oh looking man, forward, man. Looking at least George Steinbrenner is here in spirit, hmm, trying to break <laughs> out that cash and, and the NBA MVP.
1: Uh, I'm sorry. What'd you say?
0: NBA MVP.
1: NBA. I mean, since the season was cut short, I'd had to go with LeBron because, like I said. Um, at that time, he just re-, re re uh, you know, redesigned his whole like game style, and uh, you know he just became a true point forward. You know, he just embodied the position he-, he wanted to play for his whole career, and now he's doing it. You know, so uh, definitely LeBron.
0: The guy's my MVP every year, LeBron James. Every every I mean the guy goes to this team, they go to the finals. They go to that team, go to the finals. They go back to Cleveland, go to the finals. This year it looked like they're on their way at least to the conference finals on oh, his best legs, or into, or into the finals on his best legs. So um I, I got a you know big up to Kawhi Leonard who did who did the same thing with with other teams. But you, I'm talking about durability. I'm talking about his ability to adapt to other people. I'm talking about someone that can load load manage or not. I'm talking about somebody that makes everybody better around him. And you we can we can list a, na- a name of all stars that. Can can make a team better around it, but you're not thinking finals, winning and losing. The only guy we can think about that um, front-runner year in and year out is LeBron James, and nothing's changed. Um, UFC, but,
1: sorry. But just real quick, Go ahead, um, honorable mention, you know, we don't know what was going to happen with Houston, we, you know, everybody forgot they just traded Clint, Clint Capella they're run, a five-man small team, so there was that. And there's also, you know, Kawhi Leonard, like you were just saying, who just won that championship, just being traded one year after. I just think it's just not enough time for him. Can't be ignored. And he also got just traded to another team with Paul George, who had barely played like the year before. So there's a lot of people who could have been in that, too. So I just wanted to say that because I'm not always a LeBron guy. So I don't want people to be like, oh, you know, these guys are just LeBron guys. No. I put put a lot of, not hate, but I put a lot of uh, facts onto people trying to, you know, talk down Jordan in, in. lebron's name so exactly and uh, for people but yeah for sure this year
0: and for rob sure. for people listening to the show if memory serves me correctly i believe i i picked the clippers to beat the Lakers in the conference finals so mm. i mean he's my mvp but I, I uh my gut tells me the the landscape is changing i mean paul george uh this guy's load management and george was injured most, <sighs> a, a lot of the season anyway so the chemistry might be missing but i think with the number of games that they're playing going to the playoffs that's plenty of time to get their, their stuff together plenty, um yeah. who's your ufc mvp
1: UFC MVP? Uh, what would you say? Like, of, oh yeah, this past year, ESPYS. Um. Oh, Jorge Masvidal. How could you, <laughs> not? How could you not? I Super mean, he necessary. just had a year. He had a year of all years, you know. Um. But I also could second that with Henry Cejudo. Uh, I mean, as much as I dislike him, you know, he he wins. So, you know, you got to give him credit where credit's due. And that's all I'll give him because he's uh, annoying, uh, uh, to say I, I, admitted,
0: least. But he's admittedly annoying. It's not like he's yes. – there's some people that are uh, oblivious or they, they just think whatever. He's like, no, I get it. Some people, you know, some people like me. Some people don't. Uh, my MVP is Amanda Nunez. Um I mean, she's still a year removed from Starch and Chris Cyborg, and she's been a defending champion, and she's been all in all the Modelo commercials, and she's finally getting her shine. And, and as far as uh, being on the straight and narrow, oh, you know, um, openly gay fighter, and nobody cares, uh, um, and represents her sport with integrity, uh, leadership, and, and, and a heightened level of class. Um, my second up is um, Israel Adesanya. Short, short amount of time in the UFC, never mind. Nick's martial arts has become the champion. has knocked out my, my, uh, Mike Whitaker, but he might be uh, past the year removed for that. So he's a close second. Masvidal, look, the last three fights, right? Um, come on, what's what's not to like, right? He starched Darren Till, which no one saw coming. They thought they just thought he's he was making the trip there to give Darren Till a fight, and ended up getting knocked out. Actually, he won twice that night, right? He not, he. Um, Basically uh, pieced up Leon Edwards in the back after he beat that's him, right. <laughs> so, and then he beats, uh, breaks the record, right? Uh, beats Ben Askren, uh, six seconds. I think that's the UFC or record, mm-hmm. certainly um, MMA record, certainly UFC record. And then for the BMF title, I mean, I, I like your pick, Rob. I mean, he's so badass. They made a belt. For him and the, the Diaz one. to fight a belt that will not be repeated or defended. That's it. Boom. Got it. Closed up shop. Dr. Stoppage. So I like your pick and I like mine. I think we're both winners on that. And then it's cool because we got both sexes covered even though, oh, no. I mean, who uh, Amanda New year seems more of a man than even Masvidal on any given
1: day. So. Hey, we got to get that uh, yeah. Shevchenko fight going again. Woo. It's got to be that great. That was real deal. We got to have like a, a quad, you know, five fights on that. You know, when, you know, I think
0: next week we're going to talk about trilogies that are on the way. I think Blades is probably going to have to fight Angano again, I think. John Jones and Daniel Cormier might go again. I think Amanda and Valentina, you know.
1: Chris Corey Anderson and Johnny Walker. Yeah, I like that one.
0: I like that rematch. Ooh, I like that rematch. I can't wait for that trilogy. We got some heat, man.
1: That trilogy is coming because... Oh, that sequel. Oh, that's a sequel.
0: I think that's a second. No, nah, no,
1: nah, but it's going to be a trilogy because yeah. if I Corey think, you think Walker's again? gonna win. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I think, think that's going to happen. I think
0: Walker will win and then you got your trilogy.
1: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be a trilogy.
0: Hey, speaking of trilogies, so Mio, Chich and Cormier, that deal's finalized. They're going to fight in August.
1: Finally, so, yeah, man. Can't August day. Eh? Fight Island, August? Yeah.
0: Or? yeah, Fight Island. Nice. So um, let's give um, our wheelhouse a little bit of love and this this one we're definitely speaking off the cuff neither one of us prepared for this prepared for it um so in the spirit of that we are not going to do an order we're not going to do a countdown we're just going to do the uh, randomly the coaches okay um, the art of the beach coach has become a growing phenomenon, okay? With it becoming um, an NCAA sport about four and a half years ago, the, all of the juniors' club sizes have tripled. So now we've got this huge sample size of slew of uh, good girl players coming up. In fact, a lot of these girls who are splitting their time playing indoor and beach are now playing exclusively on the beach uh, with young players like Moon, um, Betsy Flint leading the charge. She was all, all beach pretty much from college all the way through um, from LMU now into the pros, playing with Emily Day. So, I guess, let's see. So, Rob, if someone had eight weeks to spare and no orders, who are five coaches, club, college, private, or pro, who can significantly, who significantly revolutionize their beach game?
1: Are we going, hey, uh, real quick, are we going, like, throughout the world or are we going, like, in our country? Or?
0: Throughout the world. Throughout the world oh, and man. our country. Um, be, be I'd like to go one and you go one. But before I answer, I'd like to disqualify myself as one of those coaches because I don't, there's only a small number of people that can last eight weeks with me. No, I don't think anyone wants to spend eight weeks with me. But if you can, I guarantee you, if you spend eight weeks with me, if you're, in a, if you're in a qualifier, you're going to the main draw. If you're already in the main draw, you're going to the semifinals. If you're a semis guy, you spend eight weeks with me, you're going to be a champion. You know, if you're already a champion, you're going to be an Olympic gold medalist. So I speak for myself, but I disqualify myself because there are some coaches that can work with everybody. And I'll admit to myself, I'm, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm a throwback. You know, I'm a dinosaur. So, But my first pick is Jeff Alzina. Jeff Alzino, who was Stein Metzger's coach in the Olympics in 2004, um, also became his assistant at UCLA, which resulted in another 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 ring, and is now at Santa Clara University, where where I believe he was kind of like where he was where he his home. I'll just call his home, or he, Jeff Alzina's come home. But the amount of private lessons, eight-person groups, a lot of people, even that. Even, even the people that disagree with his coaching style have um have have come out better than than they, than they were which is the minimum requirement for a, a good coach but Jeff Alzina is my first um, not number one again we're not going number one or our best of five but he's one of them Rob go for sure
1: um, gosh I I didn't really get a name but um, I would have to say for me I'll just go like a little bit more current but uh, the the uh, national team coach for the Czechoslovakia, Czechos, Czechoslovakian Czechoslovakian yeah. team. Wow, um, those girls are good. They, the girls and the guys. There's a, the guy team; it's uh, definitely Olympic bound uh, when the Olympics come back around. Um, and same with the women's team; they're both, you know, similarly where they're both bigger, bigger type players. But you can tell they're they're playing the system really smooth, really. That's simple, let's say, but it's a very consistent system where they can uh, side out, transition very well. Um, I think the biggest issue with a lot of systems is that they're either predicated on siding out to a high percentage um, or playing defense and being able to uh, score points on defense. And the mixture of the two is really the the, um, the sweet point of the game. So, uh, yeah, I would have to say the, the national team coach for the Czechoslovakian team.
0: Cool. Me, I will say the national team coach for the German team. And and thank God I, I had a chance to talk to Laura Ludwig, and she said, Flugen fucking Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> and they go to the sponsors. Um, can't hey can't mess with the guy. Okay, he's the champ until he's not. He was uh, Brink and Reckermann. were in the Olympics in two thousand twelve. He was their coach. Won a gold. Okay, Ludwig and volkenhorst represented um the uh, the German team for Rio in the Rio Olympics in two thousand thirteen or uh, two thousand sixteen. Um, he was their coach. Won the gold. So we're talking two Olympics, two gold medals, one gold medal per gender. And right now the German team still looks good. Uh, um. um uh, Labrador, um, uh, so, so many of these, these good girls, welcome horses retired. And so, so many of these relative unknowns. so much, we can't even name them right now. Uh, the cream rises to the top. And if you look at the world championships and all the four star and five stars, there you go. There they are. He's my, he's one of my picks.
1: Um, uh, <clears throat> uh, for the other one, I'd have to say, uh, probably Steve Anderson in, uh, in Canada. Um, here's another guy who did a ton of research um, and tried mm-hmm. to put a lot of research into uh, implementation and it really shows. I mean, the Canadian side on the women's and the men's side are both uh, far improved from the last 10 years. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they have a top women's team right now that are in the lead to, um, you know, win the Olympics again, when the Olympics come back around and uh, Sarah Pavin and uh, Michelle, Homena met So, it's uh, it's it, that's definitely a place that you would like to go. He has a lot of information online. Uh, a lot of it's a bit more older now, but um, yeah, I definitely have heard great things and uh, and seen great things from from uh, that program. So, All
0: right, yeah. Hey, um, so we're up to number three right now, uh, but not third on the list. Just simply a number three, mm-hmm. uh, Pompeo Mercadante. Pompeo was Jose. Uh, Pompeo Mercadante is um uh, he's a club coach. He's a private coach and he's a professional coach. Um, and he was Jose Leal's coach when he played. And and now these days, um, he's coaching with us at Endless Summer. He was also um, helping out with Sarah Hughes. And he is someone that brings a slew of coaches in with him. So, in this in the spirit of the of the topic uh, and the, the title, the 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 question is: If you have eight weeks to spare. And you want someone to revolutionize your game in an eight week period, and uh, which coach would you pick? And I pick him because not only does he bring a wealth of knowledge, he's been coaching for 30 years. All right, Rob. I've been coaching for 21 years. All right, but this much indoor, this much outdoor. This man's been coaching beach for 30 years. I can't even imagine how many times the rules have changed in 30 years. So, so he brings in Arturo with him. He brings in, and you can name some of these names and maybe tail off and help me out with some of these names that he brings with him. But he brings an army with him. So it's him and it's like you and who? You and what army? Let me tell you something. Pompilio, has got an army, and he brings it. We got him an army. There.
1: He's got a family. He's got. He brings it all.
0: Yeah, he's got sons. I mean, so he's definitely. He's it because, just like Wagner, right? Um, he's not someone you're, gonna, you're probably going to get new ideas from. But the staff that he brings with him, it's an army. There's probably, probably more coaches than, than, than you, your doubles partner, and the people you're scrimmaging against. <laughs> it's probably five of them and four of you. So, um, yeah, make mine Pompeo.
1: For sure. Um, my next one would probably be uh, the Norwegian – uh, head coach. I would have to say, I, I don't remember his name, but it's obviously Anders Moll's dad. Um,
0: we didn't do MVP for FIVB.
1: We'll do that after
0: this. Shoot. Yeah. Sorry. But it's Moll, right? Yeah. Do, it's do we both dad. agree Maul so we can skip that? All right, go
1: ahead. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, Moll's dad is like the, the coach basically. And wh- whether it's uh, the implementation of the school or the fact that they were allowed to be able to play that long. Or just the fact that he is a great coach, but whatever happens in that Norwegian area of beach volleyball has been super consistent. It's been not even necessarily innovative, but the technique that they that they train there is just it's it's very very it's good. Clean. It's clean. It's clean. Very clean. Very clean. Blocking, Jeez. hitting, defense, passing. You know, it's really rarely ever any spots that I would have to say that they're not excelling in. I mean, even they're not really ripping jumps or I'm not saying they need to or they or they don't or they cannot but their placement on serving creates such confusion or not confusion but creates such a, um, such difficulty that they don't really need much more than that especially with a big block a like smart defender do you, you ever sell.
0: do you some of their games, I don't mean to insult them, I and mean, you know, I know I'm insulting when I, I use the word boring. Some of the games are boring because they don't. You never see these guys out there trying to trying to do more than what they do. Th- they usually do. Like Bill Belichick, they're out there and they're doing their job and they're doing their job well. And 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 they they create such big gaps, just just outclassing people. It's like, oh my God, you already know how this match is gonna go. Why am I even watching it? So so when I say boring, I mean boring in a good way. But but no exciting hitters. Uh, um um watching. Andrews Mall put up a blocking clinic, basically every match he plays, um, um, and it's great because we left him out of our MVP conversation when we meant to do FIVB, but we're doing a two-in-one thing. Andrews Mall is my MVP of that sport, male or female, period. And um, a story on that one. Um, my fourth one. And you're, you're going to love this. And, and it comes from a place of bias, but at least comes from a place of self-honesty. If you look in a college, and see an NCAA, you, you see champions. You see Anna Collier. You see Dane Blanton. And you see all of these all of these people that have great players and great programs. But we're talking about a, if a coach in an eight-week period that can revolutionize your game, i got to go with John Mayer. John, I've seen John Mayer take the biggest drama queens who look for every reason to to make it about something else and they come out of his they come out of his season zen people they're just calm they're playful they're cheerful they keep the mood light this man's growth mindset and whatever books you know chop wood carry water whatever or, you know uh, uh, whatever literature he's making these people read and how he prepares his teams i have Never seen anything like it. But in this PC culture, in this cancel culture where you have to be perfect or people are going to, you know, pick out things about you and you're gone. You're not going to find anything on John May. You got nothing on him. You got plenty on me. They're going to have something on you, Rob. You got nothing on this guy. Okay. To quote Joe Rogan, it's very easy to take people at their worst moment take their worst moments and only focus on that and cancel out all the other stuff and, and judge them as a collective haul on that person. It's really easy for people to do that. I, can call, I call it lazy, but let's call it easy. But with that being said, Rob, you're not going to find a whole lot of that with John. You're not going to find find any of that with John Mayer. You're not going to find anything on John Mayer. It's not the way I coach. We have different uh, volleyball philosophies, which probably just left, left to me leaving. But but that man, he's one of my top five coaches because he can work with anybody, and in an eight week period, he can revolutionize your game.
1: Hmm. Well, for my next one, I got to go with a hometown homie. I mean, I've never personally been coached by him, but I, I've seen uh, that type of energy, and I've seen, uh, like honestly, how like I've been in the uh, the uh, the area of him coaching uh, while he's coaching, and just some people can take a space and make it their own. And some people can make it space and make it a house for everybody that's there, right? And I don't get how that some people do that, but it's just like a great extrovert ability where you're able to kind of connect with everyone and understand how they want things and just make it happen and make the environment conducive to everybody. And wait, who are you talking about? So so my man's Jason Stack. You know, can't can't go away from that man. Stack. You know, yeah, man. Okay, Justin Stack, baby Oh, Justin Stack, yeah Oh yeah. my god
0: Whoa, I'm so glad I hope he's J- Justin, I hope you're listening to this I swear yeah. to you I did not put Rob up to that I did not put Rob up to that I did not put Rob up to that But that is a hell of a pick My
1: god Are you talking about eight weeks About a mindset About changing who you are About being something, you know Different, you know So, gotta shout out to the homies back in the east And, you know, hope he's doing big things
0: what the hell is this this is this episode y'all must have forgot <laughs> i can't believe you got to him before i did i can't believe that oh i can't believe that i mean i just i mean i just wondering if he even wants to coach anymore i just think sometimes you get caught up in all the red tape and the administrative nonsense and with what happened at coker college with him and uh, with allison his wife and and just the politicking, where the only safe place you can be is actually in season on the sideline coaching. You just and when yeah. it's over, you're like, oh my god, oh, Here we go man, again. you know, too bad I gotta leave and actually deal with BS that 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 I don't want to deal with. It has nothing to do with coaching. But Justin Stack is an excellent pick. Rob, my last pick, uh, my fifth pick on this um, is Rob McLean. I like um, uh, once again. And he's going to shake his head, but I don't give a, I don't give a F. Um, once again, the question is, and I'm going to read it because uh, I think I'd be getting it wrong. If someone had eight weeks to spare in no order, who are five coaches, club, college, Private or pro, who can significantly revolutionize uh, one's beach game? I say Rob McLean, and I will tell you why. I have never seen someone at this age in this age category that comes to the beach, that comes to the court to meet his players, whether it's a private lesson or whether it's endless summer or whether you just you're just we're we're doing co-op practices that just commands respect. This man, Rob McLean, speaks in this low almost monotonous a monotone type voice and everybody leans in and listens and when they listen they don't regret it because all the information they're getting is worthwhile there's this huge level of respect that that comes with listening to some people because some people that you know if they disagree they they, they they think they know more than you. And at no time of all the people that I worked with, coaches and players, at no time is anybody not giving this man respect. I cannot believe someone in their mid twenties up to upper twenties uh, comes on the court who's an active player too, by the way, comes in and you, you you get this piece of information from him, you use it and it works, or you get it and you use it and it kind of works, and you're like, all right, let's figure this out, let's figure out the why, you know, and and the level of patience. Uh, that you have with strong personalities and you know in the summer we got a bunch of them i mean i mean i don't mean to use juniors as a small sample size because you coached adults too my fifth guy is make it rob mclean
1: appreciate caught appreciate. you
0: by surprise
1: <laughs> you got me that's um, for sure i got you first though <laughs> damn it damn it
0: but listen uh, so all the reasons i gave you are there are the reasons the reasons i i disqualify myself I, I can't. I don't get along with everybody. <laughs> no, I'm a throwback.
1: <laughs> oh, man. For my last one, honestly, for me, I, I, I'm i going to go with, like, Anna Collier. Uh, Collier, yes. because I, I yes maybe not to the extent, but I understand where she's coming from, especially being around the SoCal, uh, the Southern California kind of uh, atmosphere. Um, you know, USC being, like, that school to go to. In any sport, just because of the, the funding that the athletics really get, it's like you're treated like kings there. So, she, but a she's beautiful in a beautiful campus, package. yeah. Again, it's in the package, it's, it's all part of the plan, you know. She and, is, well, yeah, she is, but I'm saying all of that, you know, gets, gets that, uh, you know, the want to go to that school. And then, you know, I don't think if anybody laid it out as plainly as it was going to be. Anybody would ever really want to go there, but at the end of it, you always say, "Oh, that was the greatest one. That's the greatest coach. I can't believe that it changed my life." You know, for the 95 percent of the people that go there and are supposed to be there. So, for me, it has to be her because in that eight-week period, she will she could change somebody from a normal human being to you know a superhero in the, on the volleyball court. And and that's 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 really what what's the difference maker. I think honestly, anybody could make somebody better over a long period of time, but we're talking about a scheduled, organized, small period of time where you need to get better and there can't be any going back, there's only progressing, you know, uh, she, she'd definitely be my pick.
0: And, and Rob, you want to talk about someone that, that commands respect? she's the last of the red hot power women you got lauren bacall you got sophia loren i said this last week on, on on the podcast with eric anderson it is the type of woman that old school black and white film actress that walks into a room and men know how to behave themselves men actually stand up when she comes to the table you know she she goes to leave they all get up no 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 you don't have to get up you know that's her man that's a- uh oh! <laughs> Wait a second! Did you hear that?
1: Are we back in New York? <laughs>
0: that concludes our volleyball five coaches and big up to everybody that made our list and honorable mention to all of the, the um, the people, the former players who become coaches and just working it out. Um, um again, we have a, a lot of Olympic gold medalists. Yeah, Rich Lamborn is an Olympic gold medalist, but I don't have a big sample size with him. I don't. I just don't know enough. Well,
1: this uh, is kind of um, what I wanted to say too. Yeah. Is like. You know, to the people that, you know, will listen to this or don't listen to this or, you know, get upset that they're not on the list, or how could you say Pompeo instead of uh, Tyler Hildebrand? I don't know I don't know Tyler Hildebrand. Yeah. You know, there's a very small amount of people that know Tyler Hildebrand's beach game capabilities or Rich Lamborn's, you know, beach capabilities and coaching because he coaches five to ten people. Yeah. You know. There there's Pompeilo literally coached Jose Loyola. You know, Jose Loyola is out on the beach coaching. You don't have to be so uh, discriminant towards the types of people that you're in. I'm not saying in in a racist way. I'm just saying open your doors to people that don't play the game uh, the way that you're playing it and test your system. You know, see if your system is really the greatest instead of just on the, the, the small percentage of people that it should be tested I mean, on all these I people mean, dude
0: you know? stein dude, stein Metzger could easily make the list right um i Absolutely. mean right i mean the two-time defending uh, champ i mean i mean people find it strange that i go with his assistant than him but i mean but for people that actually do some real homework you know if they remember who his coach was
1: <laughs> you know i mean sick. if i'm really missing anybody in this list especially yeah. in the what, what you were telling me is, is todd hollenbeck you know yeah uh, i think he's oh, another sexy guy jesus Ah, oh. you know yeah uh, you know another guy that's Put in the work that does the right work you know some people oh, for west, coaching it just connects the right way the west know?
0: coast justin stack
1: right as far as
0: like uh, the mixture of indoor and outdoor and the level of success that he's enjoyed to the people that gave him the opportunity Right? assistant nightguards assistant for the indoor men's team um, coach of the year at Santa Cruz voted AVCA coach of the year in 2015 um, uh, and I'm not talking about a team that was crewed up I'm talking about the ability to take talented players and make them better or if if not do more with less so Rob it's time <laughs> you know what time it is it's time for good idea good idea bad, bad idea. idea. Hi right, Rob. Good idea, bad idea. I'm on page two. Good idea, bad idea. The AVP having a three-weekend series um, to substitute for the summer tour.
1: Ooh, put me on the spot. Um, hey, bad idea. Okay. Um, I honestly believe that the sport, first of all, you know, the only thing that can come from this is bad. You're going to exclude the people who build the sport up at the very grassroots level and then you're going to go to a city that is one of the worst places to go in in terms of the virus uh, in just types of capacity and and the the ability to have a small space and a lot of people. Um, And all you can come out with it is a small amount of money being earned. So in my eyes it doesn't seem the smartest idea being that we can we still can't even in California get back on the beach because of uh, the rules that are happening in California and how the coronavirus is. Sorry to just take up all the time, but um, That's fine. It just doesn't make any sense to me why you would do that if you have to make it such a small and isolated event but yet uh, in, a, in a large capacity area over here where it probably should even go and be going down because it's an open area you're going to just make it happen in New York. That's just pretty crazy to me. I think that's just uh, very nearsighted, and uh, it seems like maybe certain people are pushing for a certain type of uh, want, as opposed to what we should all be able to play. We should all have it. If you guys have it over there, then why don't you just bring it over to California and just keep it over here for the season? You know, I, I just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But again, business is business, so. Uh, business matters before us, so hey, that's um, how it goes.
0: Well, Rob, I, I, um, I gotta go with. It's so weird because all of your arguments for good idea, bad idea, and the reason why it's not a good idea are, are valid. Uh, for me, I say good idea because if there's a way to consolidate it, then make it quasi-safe. Um, and if you can only do do X amount of, of tournaments or games for, for the entire year because so much is lost and so much is already gone. Uh, as far as um, giving the, the fans what they want. Um, I like it. I think it, it does deprive some of these upstarts upstarts, um, who are make who were making finals appearances and, and semi final appearances, um, the opportunity to market themselves and to be on, on center stage and, and for the A V P um, faithful who've been following them and for new fans to appreciate people that don't have the name, like Phil Dahlhauser or, you know, or Gibb and anyone whose last name is Crabb. So I appreciate why you say a, good, a bad idea but I think for all of those reasons consolidating it to the star power to give the people what they want, all those reasons I say is a good idea. Um, Rob, good idea, bad idea. Dak, to sign the franchise tag with the Dallas Cowboys.
1: I mean, good idea. Just because, I mean, what what more could he really do? I mean, he put up a really good fight. I think he'll have a uh, a fantastic uh, foot to to you know foothill to step on for the next year, where he's going to just roll right into playing as well as going for another contract extension next year. So, I think it's great that he's getting some money. Uh, he's getting plenty more than he made last year, and he's getting you know a very high amount of money because of how the franchise tag works. So. He's going to be paid, and then he's going to get paid more. So it's great news for him.
0: That's a good idea, and I think um, you know uh, a lot of people think you know he's gone this far, he should wait and go a little further. But that's what we said last month, and that's what we said the month before. The man does not want to hold out on this hold out on this contract. He doesn't want to not be to not train. So uh, listen, it's a lot of money he's being offered with, that comes with the franchise tag. Take it. If you're a Dallas Cowboy, you want that star, and if you're going to be the leader or the or the biggest um, football franchise in sports yep take it in small rob good idea bad idea u.s open for tennis is still happening
1: uh good idea if they're not having people there Um, i think tennis again can be a, a very easily protected sport without you know live fans um just the biggest part is if they're going to be able to, you know, social distance and even I think 50 percent capacity is definitely a possibility uh, in most live events, especially in a live event, especially in a live event that's uh, um, in uh, an open area like tennis. So uh, in the U.S. Open. So, yeah, yeah I think great idea.
0: For me I say good idea even though there are there are some players within the top 20 and top 10 that have already uh, tested positive for corona but in light of the fact the USA the US Open is in September I don't know if that's going to make them withdraw from the tournament I mean we're we're in June for Christ's sake so um, I like the idea because as far as safety for the sport you're not going to be any safer than a referee being above and away from the players, you're not going to be any safer than the players being uh, yards and uh, yards away from each other, you're not going to be any safer than the, the color commentator and the play-by-play person in a, in a, in a literal bunker, so uh, Rob, good idea. Okay Rob, good idea, bad idea, and I'm going to have a little fun with you, <laughs> or maybe not so fun, um, but, but I think you're probably going to be more surprised by my answer. Good idea, bad idea, Rob. Um, Flying the Confederate flag via airplane over Talladega.
1: Uh, Terrible idea. I mean, (laughs) we're just trying to take the Confederate flag out. Definitely shouldn't be absolutely anywhere. So definitely just bad idea. You can cut my time down to 15 seconds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rob, you ready? I think it's a great idea. Do you know why I think it's a great idea? Because whoever is flying that plane, whoever flew that plane, whoever helped him put him on that plane, whoever he's associated with, we get to know their name, okay? We get to know where they work. We get to know who their relatives are. Because Rob, I don't want people, I don't want racist hiding. If if I have someone that I know for a long time and that that, that has a a problem with black people and I don't know that, Man, that's, a, that's not a good thing for me. That's a bad thing for me. So, Rob, I want to know who they are. I want to know who they associate with so I know who not to get with, okay? I want their names and on, on full blast, so I say fly away because okay. I want you to take all that energy and you keep it because this way when the heat comes at you, you don't get to play the victim. Oh. Okay, and I'm back. <laughs> surprising answer but at least the rationale is um uh on point right keep Absolutely. that yeah hey keep that same energy don't 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 be like oh oh i have a black friend nope 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 i don't want to hear it i want to hear it nope um before we go shout outs all right my shout out goes to espn uh putting out a documentary i think it's already out but it's they, they they aired it again the book of manning what an amazing documentary about not not just Peyton and um, and Eli Manning, but but the what Archie had to go through growing up broke in Mississippi. His father's a businessman. Uh, the the um, Archie's father ended up committing suicide his sophomore year, where he played for Ole Miss. Played for um, um he was his father was a Giants fan, so they watched all of the Giants games because the, the graduate the quarterback for the Giants at that time graduated from Ole Miss. So so think about how everything comes full circle his father's a football fan got him into football and he ended up playing for uh the same school that the that, that his father was a fan of think about um eli manning playing for old miss right think of peyton manning not playing for Ole miss um which by the way the, the created a lot of enemies from archie when his father they find that his father's going to be a volunteer so i want you to appreciate this guy and his hard work and and him ended up having to play for the Saints, with the, who they called the Aints back then. Who was The man was literally running. You want to talk about mobile quarterbacks? He was the Michael Vick back then. And I didn't know if he was just evasive or to score if he was literally just trying to not get hit all the time. Um, never had a winning season, but ended up having two sons um, that were raised the way you should be raised. One of the sons said, when my father came home, you never know that he lost a game. He, ch- he checked football at the door. You never know if he even won or lost the game because we knew when it was time to be a father, it was time to be a father. And at no time, because a lot of people want to mold and, and mold and shape their kids into being these elite athletes, at no time did he make his kids play football. He says, you go out there and you're going to play baseball, play baseball. The kids wanted to play football to honor him because of the father he was. And, and I, I, no. I want to finish with this. If I told you that I had two sons, the the rarity of having two guys with the same last name that that get to play Division One football in college that actually get somehow get into the NFL that somehow some way become both become the number one draft pick different years that somehow some way have a winning record on their teams that somehow some way get their teams to the playoffs that somehow some way get their teams to the Super Bowl and that somehow some way the Super Bowls happen to be back to back per brother I would you would have told me I was crazy you'd be like Jay Buy me a lotto ticket because I with those odds, if you win, I'm going to be rich. Um, floor is yours.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's crazy to think all that. And neither of them were very good athletes at all. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy to think that.
0: No, they, I mean, they were good athletes at the high school level. But, but you know, college and, and, and that's it. Whereas, <laughs> yeah,
1: Yeah. Michael Strahan
0: <laughs> once said that they played a game in England. I believe against Miami, and they did a, a quarterback keep or like a bootleg play, and the entire world was full. The entire world was so full that Eli was running the score, and Michael Strahan was like, I watched him. I went to the back. I got a drink of water. I came back, and he was still running. And I'm like, he is the slowest guy ever. And he is the more athletic of the, man, of the Manning brothers. I know, brothers. I know. Peyton was
1: the worst. I don't Move think they had molasses. a rating on Manning for that.
0: So that's my shout-out. Anything else you want to say before you leave?
1: All good, man. All good.
0: I like it. I think you said it all in the beginning, man. Rob, right, very, that. very good opening, man. So, um... Hey, that's it, people. I had enough of you, and I think I speak for my man, Rob McLean, Mc- keep it McLean McLean, that he's had enough of you too, okay? For all of you watching at home, for all of you online on your, with your iPhones at Starbucks, of course, social distancing. For all of you on your desktop, because that's how us old people, school people do, we rule the world. For Rob, keep it McLean McLean, I am Jason DeBilius. I'm about to say hit my music because we were out.